we prepare to hear our scripture reading this morning, um, today we conclude our Unraveled series, which is a series that has been looking at stories from scripture about how God meets us in times when our lives or world unravels around us. So today we're going to hear a story from the Gospel of John. It takes place on Easter afternoon, and the disciples, as you'll hear, are locked away in a room. Three days before, they witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus. And even though Mary has been to the tomb in the morning and reports that she has seen Jesus uh, in the form of a gardener, uh, they still don't quite believe that it's true. And so they are afraid, they're worried, uh, they're wondering what the future holds. So let us listen for the word of God. Our scripture today is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 21 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the heavenly parent has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were closed, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in prayer? Oh God, we breathe in your love and we breathe out your peace. Be with us in this time of listening for your word and breathe a word of peace for us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, today we complete our Unraveled series, um, which we have been doing all summer, looking at stories about how God meets us 
in times when our world or our lives unravel around us. In many ways, this has been a very fitting series for this summer. And really, it's a, it's a fitting theme for this whole pandemic, uh, which really began um, for us about five months ago, at least here in Oregon. It was in the middle of Lent, just before Easter. And by Easter afternoon, we were all hunkered down in our own homes. In fact, that morning, I broadcast from a corner of the study in my own home. We were hunkered down uh, for fear of COVID-19. And even though five months have passed, there are many ways that we are still hunkered down, hold up. And the fears have only gotten larger, the anxieties worse. Although we were successful in initially flattening the curve, we know that uh, the cases have spiked this summer all around the world, that millions have contracted coronavirus, that hundreds of thousands have died, and that it continues to be a great risk to our health. So there's fear over our own safety, and even if it's okay this summer because we can be outside, the worries begin to come about what happens when the rains come. What then? Not only that, but we know COVID has been so disruptive to many of our routines. We grieve the ability to see friends and families in the way that we used to. We grieve the disruption of uh, just our normal uh, daily life. I think about all the families who are just so stressed right now, trying to figure out how to do back to school and to work and to teach from home. We think about all those who have lost jobs, facing real economic concerns. And then of course, there's the fear and the worry over the disproportionate amount of people, particularly people of color, affected by COVID-19. These are all very real fears and worries. Then, of course, you add on the systemic injustice and violence and racism and brutality that we have seen this summer, that we have seen again just this week in the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in uh, the resulting additional shootings by uh, a young white male. And then, of course, we're bracing for an election this fall where we know there is so much at stake. It's no wonder that many of us are struggling with deep anxiety and deep fear. These are scary times, and, and as I've talked with many colleagues and many friends and even my own spiritual director, we've had a lot of conversations about trauma and how this is really a time of collective trauma for all of us, that the coping skills we have have just been overwhelmed and we don't know what to do. And so we're afraid and we're worried. And that's in many ways where we still are. And that's where the disciples were in the story that we find them this morning. They have also just experienced collective trauma. They have just seen three days prior their, their teacher, their rabbi, brutally killed at the hands of the empire. And so they are lost. The rug has been pulled out from underneath. This was the one who was supposed to bring about the revolution, the one who was supposed to 
free the oppressed, the one who was supposed to be there forever. And now he's gone. And so the fears and the anxieties are very real. They are, they are locked up on their own, it says, for fear of the Jews. Really, it's saying for fear that um, they're worried that they uh, also could get hurt by the powers that be. It says that they are, they are locked up, I imagine, just because they are in such grief over losing their leader and their friend. The future is unknown. They don't know what to do. He was the glue that brought them together. And so there they are in that room, overwhelmed, isolated, hiding out, unsure what is next. That's where they are. And that's where Jesus meets them. There is so much beauty in this story, but it starts right there that Jesus comes and finds them where they are. It reminds me of what we say every week, that no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. But really for this, I would say no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, God is with you. God will find you. God comes to them, Jesus comes to them in this locked room and the very first thing that he does is he says peace be with you he speaks directly to their fears peace be with you in your fear peace be with you in your anxiety peace be with you in your overwhelmedness and what's really cool about this is that the word peace is actually from a Greek word, erin, which is from a verb ero, which means to join or bind together that which has been separated. So when Jesus says, peace be with you, it's as if he is saying, be joined again, be joined to me, be joined to each other, be joined to the spirit that is in you and continues to be with you. I think about how um, the word peace is something that we hear uh, so often. And, and I love this definition. It's on a magnet that I have on my fridge at home. It says, peace. It does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. It's this idea that there still can be chaos around us, but we are, remember that we are connected to the source. We are joined with God and with each other. And so even though the world may be chaotic around us, we can be grounded in that peace. And so that's what I imagine Jesus offering them. Remember, you are connected to me, to each other. And so experience that peace. Then he goes on to show them his hands and his feet. And it's then that they know it's really him. What is so cool about this is that he doesn't show up as one who has 
never been through pain or one who has suddenly has some new body. He comes as the one who has suffered and who has come through to the other side and who meets them in that suffering. There is something so beautiful about that, about God meeting us in our woundedness, about a chance to just be real and honest about where we are. I remember when I studied uh, a, a really fascinating class, Trauma and Grace in Divinity School, we talked a lot about the need when there is trauma to be able to share what has happened to us, to be able to speak it, to have someone uh, listen to it, to be able to get it out of our bodies. And so this is very embodied where Jesus comes and, and he comes and he shares his own trauma. And in so doing, invites them to share theirs, that they don't have to pretend it doesn't exist. They can be honest about what's really going on. It's one of the things that I love about our church. It's one of the things I miss about not being able to be together and have our shared prayer time is that it's a time when we can be vulnerable, when we let our wounds show so that we remember we are connected and we are in this together. I think what is happening right now in our collective conscious um, as, a, as a nation is that we are really beginning to see and reckon with the wounds of our country and our culture and our history. We're seeing that violence up close and personal. We're, we're seeing the pain of injustice. We're recognizing our own places of fear and longing. And there's something about that that is vulnerable and that needs to happen if we're going to experience any real change. Well, after showing them his hands and his feet, then Jesus does something else that is just so fascinating. He says, as a heavenly parent has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them the Spirit. I just love this idea of Jesus breathing on them. It's especially poignant at a time in our world right now when we are afraid of breath, when we have to wear masks because we don't know what the breath of others will hold. It's a time when we've heard the refrain, I can't breathe. And yet here is Jesus coming in the midst of them and breathing on them. And what he breathes on them is life. It is the spirit. And if you think about it, as Katie said in her um, children's sermon, that breathing is so fundamental to who we are. It's a way that we can calm ourselves and ground ourselves. It's what our yoga instructors tell us to do. It's what our therapists tell us to do. It's what our uh, doctors tell us to do. It's what contemplatives tell us to do, that we are to breathe. That breathing is a way that we can calm down. It's a way that we settle our nervous system. It's a way that we uh, can respond to trauma because it pulls us out of that reptilian fight or flight and it brings oxygen to our bodies and to our brains. It reduces our stress, it quiets our fears. And so Jesus comes and he, 
He breathes on us. But it's even more than that. It's even more than that calming energy. The word that is used here is uh, a word emphasio. It's where we get our word emphysema. And it's used two other times in scripture, in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, It's used in the story of Genesis, when God creates the first human being, and it said God uh, gathered the dust and then breathed God's breath into that dust. And that uh, dust became a living being. So that breath is that very breath that was there at the beginning of creation that gave that first human, Adam, gave him life. And then the second place where that breath imagery is used, that, that same verb is used, is in the story of Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones. Ezekiel was a prophet um, to the Israelites um, when they were in um, exile in Babylon. And so they were um, far away. They were anxious. They were scared. They were alone. They were spiritually dry. They wondered if things would ever get better. And Ezekiel comes and uh, has this vision. And he sees this valley of the dry bones. And, and God says to Ezekiel, will, will these bones live? And Ezekiel says, well, you know. And then God says, prophesy to these bones that I will breathe my spirit upon them. And in his, his vision, Ezekiel see these bones come to life and begin to dance. And so this spirit that is breathed on them is the spirit that animates us in the midst of death and dryness. It's that recreating energy that brings us to life. And so that breath that Jesus breathes on those disciples is the same breath that is there at creation. It's the same breath that is there in the valley of the dry bones as if to say, I am with you. I am making you new. And really, that is what Jesus is doing. In the Gospel of John, this story, it is, it is the start of the church. It is the Pentecost season. It is the new order where from this point on, it's the disciples who are going to be sent out. It's the disciples who are to carry on the message of Jesus. The disciples who are going to go forth and forgive and love and work for justice and continue all the things that Jesus had done in his life. Last week in his uh, sermon on Job, John Aney referenced a series of reflections by the theologian Richard Rohr. And uh, Rohr writes um, daily meditations on faith through the Center for uh, Action and Contemplation. And the last three weeks he's been doing this great series on the spiritual journey in which he uses a metaphor of order, disorder, and reorder. In the sense that uh, when we are moving through our spiritual journeys, we start in one place, we have our order, our way that we understand the world, and then something will happen in our lives. Um, Illness, death, loss of a relationship, a change in our identity that disrupts the order and forces us to to just uh, be thrown into chaos. And then eventually out of that will come a reordering a new understanding of our world or who we are. As John said last week, we see this in a lot of different ways in the hero's journey. We see it in Native American stories. We see it in the Hebrew story. And we see it in 
Jesus in this, and the disciples in this story of Jesus' life and ministry, and then his crucifixion, and then the resurrection. And so when the disciples are hidden away in that room, that is that place of deep disorder. When everything they knew has been upturned, when the fears are real and the anxieties are real and they don't know what is going to happen next. And yet when Jesus comes and breathes on him that spirit, what he is breathing on them is that creating and recreating energy. It is the energy of the reordering that is going to give them courage to go out, that they can't stay locked up, they can't stay hidden forever, they can't stay afraid forever. But rather, Jesus is with them, and the Spirit is with them, and will go out with them into the world as they continue to work for justice and peace. That Spirit that was breathed onto Adam, that Spirit that was breathed on to the dry bones, that spirit that was breathed onto the disciples on Easter afternoon. That's the same breath, that same spirit that is breathed into us in this time in our lives. In the places where we are most afraid, in the worries we have today, whether that's our own health or something going on in our families or our community or our nation and our world, Jesus comes to us. Jesus comes to us and says, peace be with you. Jesus comes to us and invites us really to see the wounds of the world. But then Jesus breathes on us the Spirit and is inviting us to have courage. That that reordering is coming, even though all we see right now is disorder, that reordering will come. And it's an invitation to trust and to believe even though we can't see. Friends, we don't know exactly what's ahead. We know that um, it will be a while before things are reordered just so. But what we hear in our story this morning is the good news that God sees us and knows us and meets us and gives us peace and calls us to have courage. So may we go forth this day, trusting in that peace of God, which passes all understanding. And may we have courage as we continue to be God's people in the world. Amen.